0: the protect your neck podcast UFC St. Petersburg breakdown picks plays and whatever else comes our way let's go to work Protect Your Neck Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts work you can find at MMAJunkie.com as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year' program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today. Tonight, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. Uh, the fight in question is UFC St. Petersburg, hence the uh, Rocky uh, training montage. Shouts to Vince DeCola for that one. Uh, hey man, you know I got I got to celebrate uh, celebrate these free uh, ad-free uh, non YouTube uh, episodes while we can because yes yes the YouTube and the other stuff is is getting pushed forward. People, uh, I won't get hung up on that, but it is coming. So so why not celebrate with a little little thematic theme? Even though Alexander Gustafson, who actually walks after this, is not a uh, is not coming out. Why not? Why not? Indeed. But, as per usual, it is, uh, it's is—it's going to be an expedited episode, a breakdown episode. The fights uh, will be taking place. Uh, everybody's about to be waiting in here probably shortly, Russia time. It's uh, the wee hours in the evening, getting close to midnight here. Um, U.S. Uh, West Coast time, so kind of way behind it all. Card's going to be starting at about 10 a.m. for this time. I don't know how much, uh, if any, I'm going to catch up. I've got some friends in town, but... I am gonna come through and break it down for you guys. It was gonna be a light breakdown. I mean, it's still gonna be a fast breakdown. But what I mean by a light breakdown, uh, it's uh, it, it it's kind of slim pickings on this one, guys. So uh, I, I, you know, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not even sure how familiar the hard chords are gonna be. That that being said, I I did do a pretty decent due diligence. Not the full on, but. Pretty damn good uh near to near to complete considering I wasn't going to maybe even do one at all just trying to try to get get some things done here behind the scenes uh in relation to the end of the show so so but anyways i don't I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil anything till it's done in the, on that end but um yeah man so we're gonna break this down from top to bottom as per usual. Not really too many notes off the top. Um, I kind of gave some thoughts already on, on UFC 236. It was awesome. Well, I mean, I got washed from plays, as you guys know, listening to this show. Uh, my man Boston Salmon. The salmon did not taste good, but uh, glad he's all right. You know, sometimes the perfect punch just lands in that game. So, shouts to Khalid Taha there. Uh, and Boston will be back. But uh, yeah, and it didn't you know uh, matter as much once the co-main and main event came? Because even though I was. Uh, I was wrong on those and got washed on those as well. Uh, mainly the co- co-main. Uh, I, I really stayed away from the main, to be honest. Uh, he specked to Poirier. And like I said, man, Poirier had the better story. So uh, that was the silver lining uh, with being wrong with the pick there. I like Poirier. It was hard to really root against either guy, right? Let's be honest. It was a great fight. Kind of like I said on MMA Junkie Radio earlier this week. Max, uh, you know, he would start, you know trying to start doing his building ways. He'd get one block together, another block together, start hammering that nail in. As soon as he start forming something, Dustin Poirier come along and swat and scatter all his work to pieces. And Max would have to go fetch the pieces again and go pick and hammer the nail in again and try, start getting, oh, he's starting to form something. Oh, look, he's starting to build something together again. And Dustin would come back and whack and knock all the pieces back uh, with his counter fighting. Um, and... uh Really just messing up uh, Max's ebb ebb and flow so we couldn't get anything going. So that was awesome. And then, of course, the co-main event, which not that you want to split hairs, but yes, uh, an even better fight. What was the main event? Already a a great fight, but the the co-main event, an even better fight, uh, just great, man. Uh, How do you not uh, respect both guys after that? Kelvin, the toughness, despite not fighting, maybe the smartest fight per se. And I'm not just talking about that fourth round uh, takedown that, you know, when he had, a is he hurt from like a shuffling head kick of all things, right. That kind of started sparking it off, but his right jab was landing all night. And, uh, you know, the, the takedowns weren't, didn't seem too much at the forefront of the game plan, which something to watch for going forward, maybe not just with Kelvin, but, uh, the camp in general. And I, I love Kings MMA, but I'm just kind of thinking when I think of their guys, both good and bad performances, both, uh, mid-tier to high-level guys that just seems to be something that's kind of vacant there uh needless to say it was a great fight great effort by Kelvin whom whom I picked and uh man you know feeling dumb against picking against Izzy again really I mean not really it was a close fight going into the fifth but uh you know, uh, it, it, you know. The, I still think there were things there that maybe weren't capitalized on. Like Kelvin really didn't throw. He was successful at the right, but wasn't really following up in combination, like many were noting. But more specifically, I would say he wasn't following in combination with that left hand, especially when Izzy went to the south ball stance, and of course Izzy seldom went there. Um, and I don't think it was because, I mean, it could be, is super smart? It could be because maybe there is something there and he sensed Anderson was onto it, so he adjusted. But to be honest, uh, from Steven Wonderboy Thompson, Anthony Pettis to uh, Lyoto Machida, uh, even fighters who are traditionally Southpaw will opt to switch dance fighters who mainly fight from Southpaw will opt to go orthodox a lot of the times if they're facing a. Uh, Another southpaw fighter, because again, the southpaw southpaw stance is tricky, or southpaw southpaw matchup is tricky for one, but also uh, they prefer that open stance matchup because I I would I think that if you're a natural southpaw, you're you've built your game upon that the open stance matchup, or if you're an orthodox slash switch stance fighter, or just a ambidextrous down the middle switch stance fighter, I think that you understand that the open stance matchup. Provides a lot of advantages if you're somebody who can fight from it Uh, because even though people are getting much better and it is a part of the game that is progressing um, most times people aren't going to be as good as you if you are of that competent uh, high level competency so yeah, uh, just things to kind of watch for, which is why maybe Whit- why Whitaker, you know, I believe opened as a favorite. I don't think that's going to hold though. I think the the popularity of Izzy and deservedly so. The skills, the growth. Uh, I know I'm not the only one who's been saying it, but that's been that's what's been most impressive through this run, is his growth. Uh, I think those things are going to sway uh, Izzy to a favorite come fight time, and he could very well beat Whitaker. I don't know where I'm going to side with that one. I'll have to see. Uh, I don't want to fall into that typical trap of well. I went against Izzy twice and, and uh and was wrong. Let's not go against him again, even though I'm I feel like I'm 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 seeing something that very few uh can possibly exploit if it's there and if it, if that is there and you know, Whitaker and Gastlin may be those guys, who knows? But I I don't even I feel guilty even speculating of that because man, um that was just an amazing performance. It's gonna be In future top five lists of me and yours, so respect to to all those gentlemen on the top four there. All right, we're going to push through here, 8 minutes, 25, already too long on that recap. Uh, We are going back to Russia, guys. We haven't been here since uh, UFC Moscow, whereas I have the one lone note here, Say noted drugs guy from Saved by the Bell. Uh, props to you guys who got that reference. The uh, translator looked like the the say, say no to drugs guy, say by the bell, who is a kind of a typical character of the early '90s, where you would always have the really cool guy character who's always like, yeah, say no to drugs, man, yeah, and read a book and all this stuff, and like you would see all the girls and and the guys be idolized, and the main character would be like, I don't know about this guy, and were, you're just a hater, mm. and then of course the episode would take its arc, and you'd find out the say no to drugs guy is like smoking cigarettes and doing drugs at a party. It's like, come on. Uh, yeah, if you guys are grew up in the '90s and are familiar with that episode, you'll know the the, the UFC Moscow translator reference there. But uh, we are back in St. Petersburg. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just buying times. I'm pulling up the lines. We we are we are pushing forward. Uh, and again, we're going to start from top to bottom. This this card uh, UFC and EFC, uh, ESPN plus seven headlined. Alistair Overeem. What is it? Scottish accent. Minus two fifty and the comeback on the underdog stepping in for Alexander Volkov and his stingray tattoo. That is Alexi Olenik, Nitro Nick from Small Soldiers, 1998. Uh plus two ten is the number on him. And uh, anything, you know, over a two to one spread at heavyweight, no matter the level, makes me raise an eyebrow and uh especially a guy like Overeem who many have been fading for for a minute, you know, uh Definitely so, but as a guy who you know took over him against Miocic, which really wasn't too crazy in hindsight, he was on that run and uh, took over him against Pavlovic at Dog Money last time. Uh, I'm not one to to put grave on these heavyweights, much less uh, much less the Reem, who looks like uh, he's in better shape than ever. He found the balance. A lot of guys are right that that USADA curve has has kind of passed, unless you're the uh, Pico Grand Man at hand, which you know. You don't have to get into that, but, uh, but yeah, anyways, I'm not saying, (laughs) Jesus, well, well, then, what are you saying? That was pretty fucking obvious. Anyways, the point, I'm going with Alistair Overeem here. I like Alistair Overeem. I am not coming at him. I'm just, I'm just, hey, I defend him, but I also state what's there. Let's be honest, guys, eh? All right, um. Uh, All right, yeah, I mean, I got an in-depth breakdown up on Junkie. Hopefully you guys already saw that this week. Um, I mean, this pretty much comes down to uh, Olenek's porous defense and Overeem's counters, but more specifically, the clinch. It's the clinch. Um, Olenek's very serviceable in the clinch, whether it's, uh, you know, double legs against the fence or changing the level in the open. Like, he's a bit slow and rickety, but he can do it for sure. Uh, and he can do it successfully at the high level it doesn't look the prettiest but he's he's found his opportunities um and uh in the clinch he can do everything from you know kind of like a pole guard ezekiel to uh you know uh, what you see in the female mma head and arm toss uh because he you know he's just so good with not just a grappler but he operates from that scarf hold. the scarf hold is uh like a judo side control is awesome uh Thankfully, I got a I got a, taught a really good scarfold uh, from my grappling coach again, kind of highest end lineage from Gokor there, Travici in the judo. But man, those guys, those judo guys, they can really uh, hold a scarfold uh, really well. And I know Olenek, not judo per se, but obviously judo, very close uh, sister, a cousin, if you will, probably more of a cousin maybe relationship, I guess, of, uh, of sabo, which is Alexi olympic's uh, accoladed in. Uh, but yeah, they have the scarf hold too, as well. Obviously, they use the Gi, uh, very closely related. We saw Barnett submit, uh, what's his name, Dean Lister. It's really powerful. I mean, you can just submit guys from there or, you know, set up. Uh, you can push their arm over to one side for an arm triangle. It's a super obvious setup, but the good counter is the obvious setup makes them kind of try to counter and push their arm back. And it gives you this kind of uh, Americana key lock if you can lock it in with your leg. It looks like overly clever, but uh, I think some guys have hit it in the UFC. It's, it's actually pretty It's pretty, It's pretty. pretty slick and, and, and simple uh, if you got it. Uh, if Overeem gets there, he's going to be in trouble. I know Overeem is an ADC European winner and an Abu Dhabi qualifier and good guillotine, yada yada. And that's all very well and true, but on the bottom, it's a different story. He does not want to be on the bottom. But again, back to the clinch, clinch country. Uh, I think he's in luck because next to Daniel Cormier, who I add now, uh, originally it was Josh Barnett in the Ream. But, uh, yeah, next to Daniel Cormier and Josh Barnett, Alistair Overeem is right up there for guys you can argue for best heavyweight clinch fighters of all time. Uh, and I realize there's a head-to-head loss from Barnett to Daniel Cormier. I'm just talking about their skills. Um, and, uh, and yeah, Overeem's right there. And really what it is, it's risk control. Something, again, I've been... I've been preaching for fucking years uh, and I feel like I just you guys want to just shoot yourself in the head when you you hear this okay here he goes about the wrist control but yes wrist control is great because not only can you not um, only not that you can't but it's nearly impossible to be choked uh, and even to really have your guard pass or to be taken down or to even really have your guard pass with only one hand It sounds silly, but it's true, and uh, risk control gets you out of a lot of funny situations, but that's not how I'm referring to it. It actually has much use in the clinch as well, and it's actually why Overeem is a good grounded pounder, because in the clinch, if you can control someone's grips, again, you can kind of dictate where the action's going to go. You can open up strikes, elbows over the top, pathways for knees, etc., and that actually principle translates to on the ground when you're on top. That's why Overeem is is such a a good grounded pounder, which could be a very... Uh, actual way this could happen. I mean, all it can scramble, but Overeem's still athletic and gr- and savvy on the ground too. I don't think he's gonna get the jump on Overeem unless he clips him, of course, which is possible. All he does is swing pretty, but he swings heavy. I'm um, sorry, I have some more water yeah, I like a hiccup. Sorry, guys. Um... Yeah, so I think Overeem, you know, these guys have a ridiculous amount of first-round finishes uh, between them. I have it listed in the stats. Overeem, you know, it's hard to be too confident, uh, even though I was just defending him. But at, at that price tag, minus 250, and you, you look that he's been dropped or stopped in eight of his last 14 fights. <sighs> um, I don't mind it. I mean, I don't blame anybody, I guess I should say, for taking a shot on Olenek here. Uh, I'm staying away from this fight unless I like... Throw the chalk of not goes the distance in some parlay on the day of for fun. But really, I'm staying away. But the pick is over and for what that's worth. All right, next fight. No overs or unders listed, which is crazy, too. Um, first fight on the avoid list, and I'll explain why. Uh, Islam Mahachev, uh, minus 325, versus UFC newcomer Armin Saryukin. Saryukin, or as I like to say, tar-yukin. Uh But yeah, uh this lie, I don't know about this, man. This is crazy. I'm a big fan of Makachev. I've been a big fan of him for a minute. Uh, I picked him to beat Adriano Adrian Martins back in the day. But again, I talk about those kind of those Southpaw versus Southpaw matchups, the right hook. It's uh, you know the, the radar has kind of changed up. Makachev got caught there. Uh, and no shame, Martins is that guy who can tax you. And, and you, you got to get that loss kind of out of the way for the most part. Uh, very few people can go undefeated in the sport. Um, so it wasn't damnable, and and you look, he, he comes back, you know, fairly well, getting good victories, and even, you know, over guys like Nick Lentz, who, you know, I give a lot of shit, but Nick Lentz is, is a good fighter, man, um, so that's no, you know, excuse me, that's no joke there, uh, Chris Wade, a guy who is, gets underrated a lot, obviously knocked out Gleason Tebow, and a nice submission over Kahan Johnson, so the dude's on a roll, um, I think he didn't have, like, a scare of, like, clenbuterol or some shit. I don't know, but he was training over in that Bahrain where there's some weird shit going on, whether you're talking about politics or genetics, right? Anyways, but uh, it's still, he looks um, like he's filling out, and uh, but he still kind of looks fragile, you know? Like, not fragile, but, like, more, like, compared to, like, Khabib. They're both 5'10", lightweights but there's a there's a clear difference in thickness I guess is what I'm saying trying to say. I'm not trying to come at Islam there. Um so I get, but I, what I am trying to kind of build toward is is man, I wouldn't sleep on this Armand Saryukin. Saryukin! uh it looks like he can uh you know, he's been watching the the street fighter speaking of uh this little nod I'm giving him here. Uh can throw the spinning stuff. It looks like more of a wushu sanda kickboxing if anything. I don't have his stats or anything in front of me I was bad about tracking that down apologies but uh he also can wrestle um, now it's not like guys we'll talk about later in this card whether they're wrestlers or uh, Wushu Sanda guys who can wrestle in the sense that they'll go for takedowns but they don't have not just they don't have submissions they really don't even engage or score sc- score you know uh, worthwhile points when it's on the ground so it's kind of like what are you doing uh, I mean, they, they score points at the takedowns, and it's enough to win them rounds in their fights, but there's just so much missed opportunity there, and I also have a hard time being confident in guys like that. Him, not so much. He does have submission wins to his credit, but more importantly, uh, he, he looks like he can play a position. That being said, he will do stuff, and, and I, you know, he's he, he hasn't fought slouches uh, regionally, but, like, you know. Not really names you're going to know about unless, like, you know, obviously Junior Sun Sao, Sun Sao's brother. I know, I was surprised he was still fighting too. I was like, oh crap, I haven't really followed him too much since he uh, washed out of the UFC. But, uh, and he was able to get away with some stuff in that fight against Junior Sun Sao. But, it, you know, with the hands on the mat and whatnot, he just looks like he's such a position and power player, uh, that he kind of knows what he's doing, can kind of get away with it. It's not so much that he's a, a noob, so to say, but, uh, Against a guy like Makachev, who has really good wrist controls, I mean, go back and watch his fight with Leo Koons and, and how he debases him, to, uh, help set up the, his, his uh, the finishing position. There it was really nice. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if he's, uh, you know, he's not as powerful as could be, both on striking and wrestling. But as far as technical submission grappling and that part of the sambo game, he's just as good as Khabib Um I don't want to say better, but maybe a little more uh, flashier and well-versed. Uh, we haven't really seen too much of Khabib since he left the M1 or whatever uh, from his guard and whatnot, because he has some really good guard and sweeps. He showed a little bit of the Abel Trujillo fight, but really we don't see uh, too much of that from Khabib. Uh, Islam, though, uh, he's 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 definitely got a... He's just ridiculously well-versed. Any, any position you put him on the mat, he's going to be good. Uh, so for that reason, I will pick him here. Um, I see Armand, uh, can uh, giving him a really tough fight and forcing the good, this good grappling I'm talking of out of him because, uh, if they stay in strike, which I worry about, I feel like Makachev, he could maybe have some false confidence from his recent success. Um, this guy could, could outdo him. You know, he's a little stouter, uh, just as fast, if not faster, more powerful by the eye test. Um... And if his wrestling is good enough to at least keep Makachev off for around and a half to two rounds, uh, then, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for him there. In fact, this is on the avoids list, but there is a fun flyer here because, again, not just this number seems off, but I, I'm like, okay, what's the most way he's going to, you know, uh, uh, beat uh, Islam? I think decision is is possibly likely if he can, you know, Hit a major skills gap and rock him in one round to kind of just really shift the fight. Uh, submission is definitely the least likely, but most likely is TKO, and that's it's like twelve plus twelve hundred TKO uh, for this guy. And you know this is being recorded late, so I can't imagine what it opened at. Probably was like what, probably like thirteen or fourteen, maybe even fifteen. Either way, that's a that's a fun flyer for me. I'm gonna sprinkle on in a fight that I'm staying away from for for that reason. But uh, yeah, it's our you can, if you if you know what you're watching, it's gonna this. Is, I would not be surprised. I guess I should say that this could be a lot cl- uh, closer than the line leads on. Pick is Makachev, but big big caveats there. All right, next fight. We have Sergey Pavlovich. Uh, minus 255, Marcelo Gomes plus 215. This is weird, you know. Everybody high on these guys for different reasons. Uh, deceptive sample size. Sergei obviously much better sample size than Gomes. But Gomes, it was just him being athletic, which got a lot of people excited. And... That's weird because it's like, yeah, not weird, but that's funny, I should say, because heavyweight, it doesn't take much to get people excited. Like, really, All you have to do is be athletic and look like you can knock somebody out. Like, okay, what do we got here? And apparently he's really good with jiu at least from the top side. So, excuse me, 242, 247, 255. Boy, I don't like that. Uh, I don't like that trend. Um and you know, he, he doesn't he's sizable, but he, like he doesn't look like huge or whatever. Can he go up in weight, down in weight? And he's been going up in weight. I'm looking at the weigh-ins here, which is probably I don't like that trend. Um older or younger heavyweights seem to have their best runs when they're going on their best runs. If you look at the weight where they weigh in at, uh and you kind of compare that to their average sample size, you'll notice that most of the times that it's no coincidence they're weighing in and they're lower their sample size. So, again, kind of showing that common sense they're out there, probably taking things a little more seriously. Um, So that's something a little uh, small tells to watch out for. I was looking for reasons to pick Golem here, but I don't see him getting um, Pavlovich on the ground. Pavlovich did look like a fish out of water off his back, and uh, you got to wonder because, you know, if you watch my video breakdown before that fight, I was saying Pavlovich will take guys down, but kind of like what I alluded to in the previous breakdown, he doesn't do much with it. He really doesn't hold position. He doesn't even ground and pound. Let's just go for some missions. So. Uh, and then on his back, yeah, he kind of looked like a fish out of water. But if you watch what Overeem did, it was so beautiful. I mean, I was talking about Overeem's hand fighting, but the beautiful part of that ground and pound finish, yeah, there were there was hand fighting at play. But you watch. As soon as Overeem takes him down, gets into side control after the trip passes, he immediately creeps that thigh behind uh, the top of his thigh underneath Pavlovich's thighs at least one of his thigh elevating it like a shelf you'll hear commentators refer to that they didn't probably pick it up or say it in that fight it was so quick but you'll hear many commentators refer to making a shelf and it's just beautiful same reason why guy will will, will pick up a guy by the back of you know when a guy has is is in guard and the guy standing on top of him the man standing or woman standing on top of him will pick up the other person up by their heels or kind of their achilles tendon almost and lift it so their ass is off the ground because as soon as your ass is off the ground your hips are probably off the ground that means you're out of the game as far as positionally reacting no hips no, whatever. There's no saying for that, but you need your hips there. You can't be offensive if you're flat on your back, and uh, it, and that's why Pavlovich was flat on his back. It was kind of a trick. When you're inside control, you can't really, you don't want to stop, give up that position, and lift the guy. You know, like a baby, to make sure he's on his back and his ass is off the ground. But there is little tricks you can take because not only is their if their ass is off the ground, their hips are off the ground, but in the shelving case, if your ass is kind of off the ground, that means your legs are also out of the equation. You need all of that to get to your side and get back in there, not just an underhook, which Overeem was, again, also taken care of with the hand-fighting awareness topside. I mean, just really good ground and pounder. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump toward uh, Overeem there, back to Pavlovich. That's why he was kind of a fish out of water. So it made me worry, but I don't know. I don't think Golem's going to be able to do it. Golem does look like he can change a level, but it looks like he needs to get a guy to the fence to do it really well. And he has to start off from the clench. It's kind of like his comfort zone. And Pavlovich, not just a wrestler, but more of a Greco stylist. So upper body, that means. So um, if the clench is a kind of a safety zone for Golem, especially when he gets tired, as we see in fights, that's not going to be good news. Both guys are going to be conservative. Uh, Pavlovich has to recover, save face in front of Russia. Golem needs to save his fucking job. He's traveling across the country. Uh, so I think it's going to be a conservative slog. Look for the overs when they come out, but uh, to be honest, this is on the avoid for me because both guys, um, whatever your take is, I think we can all agree they have not stacked up to probably what they should be. So let's uh, let's wait and see. They're still young enough at heavyweight to grow. So I'm taking Pavlovich in what's probably going to be a boring three round decision. All right, next fight, Devin Brown Bear Clark. Come on, Rawr! his dad's going to be fucking yelling. Uh, by the way, we, just, we oh, he got fucking knocked out brutally by uh raage in a full talk about in a second half fight, but uh he it was one of those rough ones where he was taking a while to come to it was bad he didn't know where he is and like the can the camera cut cuts back to him finally when he's kind of like at least up enough to be on his stool, but he's ca- he's still looking around like he's looking off and down to the left like he's not even acknowledging anybody like that's how fucking out of it devin Clark is and <laughs> his dad who's just you can hear and and uh it's all love, of course, but god damn, Jesus, this is a guy you can hear just like ridiculous baritone from the corner. He starts slapping his concussed son like, chin up, son, chin up. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so fucking brutal to watch. Anyways, Devin Clark is the underdog, plus 145 versus Ivan, uh, sh- shit your cough. Uh, shit cr- Shit your cough. Let's just stick with shit your cough. Minus one sixty five favorite. I can see why he's on one sixty five. I mean, you know, noticeable games like Antonio Silva, Jeff Munson to even guys like Phil DeFries, who were yes in the UFC, but more importantly, were guys that probably needed to be out of the UFC to kind of get that uh get that confidence and um that confidence in the swagger back, you know, and, and he did much better there, which by the way, speaking of English guys it could do that. Tom Breeze, man, I don't know what's going on with him. But uh, I wonder if, like, cutting him would actually be, like, a favor and not, like, a mean move. And, like, just so he can go get his confidence back. I don't know why I'm getting on a Tom Breeze tangent. Anyways, Ivan Shichikov, um, he's, he's faced good competition. Uh, he's won decisions. He's had to have been forced to be in dogfights and, and uh, fight with Antonio Silva. You know, the other thing was just kind of everywhere. showing, uh, Having to show he could wrestle off his back, get back to his feet, wrestle... For position when he's getting bombed on, bombed from the top, bomb standing on the feet, right hands, left hook, short, stout, uh, going to be a light heavyweight, more of a natural weight class for him here. Devin Clark, uh, probably better to be a light heavyweight, even though he's not the biggest light heavyweight. Uh, I, I, I'm I, just saying probably not a knock against him. That stoutness can work, but... I'm expecting a conservative performance. We had a super conservative performance against Mike Rodriguez to the point where like, I was at that fight at UCT 23 in Brooklyn. I, f- I fucking forgot all about it. I was like, oh, that that happened? Okay. And then he comes out kind of a guns blazing and having success against uh, Alexander Rakich, so, like, And then he, he gets countered and like brutally KO'd. So I think he's going to go hassling and hope that his hassling is better than Ivan the Hulk. But uh, I don't have Shichikov. I'm bad again. I should have his stats of all in front of me, or his accolades. I don't. But um, I think he has some wrestling. Uh, and I think that's going to be the difference maker. Um, and the fact that even though he's heavily muscled, uh, I gotta imagine he's going to be doing more cardio to get down to 205. Devin Clark, actually not necessarily known for his cardio himself, although he's gone on decision and not looked terrible. But uh He's not like that pace machine exactly either. And he's a do-or-die fighter by sensibility. So I don't know if even if he comes in the game plan, he'll be able to, able to stick to it. Especially um, with, the, with the shit shit your cough is swinging. And uh, ironically enough, despite the UFC experience on Devin Clark's side, the, the more quality experience overall, I'll give, I'll give it to shit your cough. Uh, so I'll pick shit your cough here. But uh, wow, I'm surprised it's not on the, uh, the avoid list. It uh, probably should be, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 avoiding that hot mess. All right, um, next fight Antonina Shevchenko minus three fifty. Sorry, Uh Roxanne Modafferi plus two ninety. You know, I'm a fan of the Shevchenko sisters, also a fan of Roxy too. Man, I want to check out. Uh, if I can get my get my niece to 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 show up, I I think she she she, she might dig that uh that geek class she 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 does there, but uh she she. Wants to do females, but I'm gonna try to take her into uh extreme good torch. By the way, I'm back in, but uh but yeah, I, I was I, <laughs> I was actually just going through the timeline and just that was one of the things I was showing. Try to kinda lure my niece in, you know. You gotta see females doing it. And yeah, Roxy's a sweetheart. It's hard not to like her and uh definitely a sweetheart to the media. Um and I always root for her to do well, but I don't know if I've picked her, you know, and I'm not proud of that. I like Roxy. But uh, and that's not going to change here, unfortunately. Uh, all biases aside, uh, yeah, the, the the line is is, is about right. Monferry um, is really going to have to pull some stuff to to get it down. She's gotten a little better with her her trips and stuff. I mean, being sneakier with them, but that's kind of the Shevchenko sisters' shit more Valentina than Antonina. But that's the point, you know. That's her main training partner, so. If she can get through Anto- uh, Valentina's, or, or, or let's just say, I, I believe Valentina's will offer more than ample looks for uh, for Antonina. Um, Roxanne's uh, stand up has improved, you know, so she had confidence. Like, she had her moments in that Sajara Eubanks fight, uh, you know, deep into it, just biting down and going for it. Um, so, <sighs> noting Mataferi's improvements, I, I still don't think it's going to be enough, and I just worry that if it's worse than I think, that this could look really ugly and hard to watch toward the end. That being said, I still am siding with uh, Roxy's toughness to, to last out for a Shevchenko decision win. So Shevchenko by decision. Um, she's one of the few, if you're looking for a parlay piece, by the way, she's one of the few I'll throw in there. Um, as far as uh, straight up fighters. Um, by the way, And then, yeah, main card, uh, like I said, fight doesn't go for the distance. I might throw that bullshit chalk in there. All right, next fight. Christoph Jotko, minus 175. Alan Amadovsky, plus 155. Um, couldn't remember this Alan Amadovsky guy, and then I remember, oh, yeah, that's right, for, for Bellator uh, stuff. He just They just brought him out for um, European shows. I think that's going to be dangerous here because I think that's what people keep in the way. They, they see the Bellator... The undefeated. Oh, he fought in Bellator, so he fought he must have fought good guys, right? Not necessarily the case. No, not the case. Oh Amadovsky, and he's on a Russian card. He must be Russian. No. I actually think this guy's fucking Macedonian to believe believe it or not. Um lot of he's from Italy, first of all, I believe. I think. And then he's gotta be from Macedonia, right? Yep, Macedonia. Sheshkapishka. That's the only thing I know how to say. I mean, suck my okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Jesus. sheshkapishka uh yeah, he's Macedonian. Um I think he hail from Italy or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Fighting out Italy. Uh that's not uncommon folks. It's, it's a quick ferry ride over and and you're uh you're pretty much over into Macedonia and Croatia area. A lot of those a lot of a lot of uh, Macedonians immigrate to Italy. That's that's not uncommon. So it's funny if you if you're not really like looking well, uh, you and you're just playing, oh a Russian guy's gonna win in Russia. Um it could be funny there and then all oh, Yuck calls on a slide. And that can be tricky, too. I mean, it's a tricky match against David Branch people don't give enough credit to. Even hardcores like myself and have people analyze footage of myself can, can sleep on and lose a split. Winning that fight with Uriah Hall until he wasn't kind of a thing, right? But honestly, he was doing really well. Almost had Uriah Hall out of there and then almost too aggressive. Get, you know, on a cruise, gets, gets countered. And then he fights uh, Brad Tavares, who, again, guy doesn't get enough credit. And Brad Tavares finally has his coming out party. Uh, catches him with really the perfect shot off the break. Um, even though I had it for Tavares because I'm biased, uh, Yoko was fighting competitively for whatever that's worth, and he got hit with the perfect shot there as well. So it's not that bad of a sl- It's still a slide. It's not a, a good spot. Um, it definitely changed my opinion on the ceiling, but not as bad of a slide as some think. So much to the point where I was almost thinking of a play, but at the same time, even though I'm picking Christoph Yoko, who... Still looks to be training at American Top Team, taking things serious, took a year off to refocus. I like that, getting another shot here. I like him to bounce back here, but he's probably going to be fighting conservative. Maybe let's see if he gets back to maybe kicking a little more, but I'm going to take Yoko by decision. Um, all right, that's on the avoid list officially, although I probably, even though I'm not staying away from that, I'll probably switch that out with Shichikov and Clark. All right, next fight. I like saying that. All right, next fight. Uh... Mavzar Evelov -335 versus Sangwoo Choi +275 man Koreans are uh are some of the more more han- you know you look at the Koreans that are, you know really uh are, you know as far as like are you look at the Asians are probably more more athletic more western features strong jaws bone bone lines and you know, filled out, tough people, right? From the from from the LA riots they're the motherfuckers getting up on their roofs and shooting to to the boxers and what we've seen in MMA, they just fight to their burger. Seng Wu Choi is like uh it's like you seen twins where like they put you know, one of them ends up like Schwarzenegger and the other ends up like DeVito. <laughs> I feel like that's Sang Woo Choi. I'm not saying he's fat and stocky, but he's just—he's really goofy looking. Like he came out of the machine looking wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> they had a—they had a machine for Korean fighters, and they're—they're they're, they're pumping him out like Sang Woo Choi. Uh, Sang Woo Choi. Yeah, he looks. Uh, yeah, some something, some—he's something, getting stamped with a de- defective stamp. No, he, he's actually—you know—he looks pretty. You know. uh Tall and tall and technical, but I don't see any Taekwondo stuff like you would stereotype. He actually looks more like Dutch style, like the way he tries to compose his style. He actually throws some straight ones, twos down the pipe. Or he'll hit you with a counter right if you're if you're coming in. Uh, really likes those low leg kicks, which which you know will be interesting, but I don't think they're gonna serve him too well. Uh, Mazvar looks like he can react well on the feet, change level. His striking and kickboxing, it doesn't look like uh, wingy, like Wushu Sanda. It looks like he's being schooled more in that tight, like Rashid Magomedov-style, conservative kickboxing style for this guy, uh, Evolev. But make no mistake, he makes his money on the ground. Good submissions, scrambles, positions, strikes well. But most importantly, especially for this matchup, it's his wrestling. This guy's got really good wrestling. I mean, you could tell when he's in a three-point with the Wizard. Uh guy's half in on a takedown, like his balance, his calmness, his composure. Like, this dude's been there. Um, and you look at it, his level of competition, too. I haven't been following the M1 scene that closely, i got to admit. Uh, at least that division, Bantamweight, I, I, I try to follow a little bit in the featherweight, especially when our, our, our boy, Nate the Train, Lambworth, son... Night the Train Land, where... Yo, what is up with Southern dudes who, like, all fucking seem like uh, a riff-raff or a James Franco character from Spring Break, you know? Like, from uh, Nico Price to uh, Bryce Mitchell, uh, Jason the Kid Knight, uh, fucking... Yeah, man, uh, Nate Lanwer. Like, all these dudes, whether it's, like, the the look or the... I got shorts every fucking color. <laughs> That's all I could think of when Bryce Mitchell was—he uh, doesn't visually look like uh, James Franco's character from *Spring Breakers*. By the way, if you don't know that movie, go look it up. Uh, but uh, you know, especially when uh, Bryce Mitchell was going on his thing about camo shorts, like just imagine him with like all these different shorts. I got—I got shorts every fucking color. Look at my shit. Look at my shit. Sorry, it's my favorite uh, scene from what is a fucking shitty, awfully awesome movie. Uh, make of that what you will. Spring Breakers, maybe. Shouts to me on Twitter if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't really follow the 135 division, but man, this guy, this guy, I was impressed with what I saw. I only watched, I'll be honest, I only watched uh, uh, two and a half fights of his. <laughs> Maybe a highlight, which I don't really watch highlights or count those. Those are everything taken out of context. You don't get a good flow. Um, I only watch those if there's really nothing and you—that's all you have. That's how some of these guys were. Uh, Evalev, kind of not so much. He actually had some decent footage to watch, and uh, it was—it was—it was good. I really impressive here. In fact, so much to. Where I'm not saying you jump off a cliff. I haven't yet, but if I'm looking for a chalky parlay, he's another parlay piece too. Um, Really not impressed with Choi and his wins and losses there. His, his very low caliber opponents, low records, low sample size. I think they're uh, trying to set up Mazvar here. All right, next fight. Uh, Sultan Leave, I think he opened as a bigger favorite, but still holding slightly. <gasps> Excuse me. Minus 115 versus Keita, Keitaro Nakamura. Minus 105. Uh, at near even money, sorry about that, I had to swallow, <laughs> easy, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I like Nakamura here, I know it's kind of, oh, very, that's probably like the, mo- the most Danton predictable predictable uh, take, but, uh, you guys know I'm a fan of Nakamura, even at the risk of uh, pissing off Tony Rocco Martin on Twitter, I will take me some Nakamura, especially if he's anything close to plus money, <clears throat> um. You know, the wrestling, I was afraid we'd be able to control Nakamura, uh, but Aliyev really, you know, I don't even know if I can trust him in decision, because, like, he's been a decision a bit, but, like, it's, you know, low-level competition. He's done it against uh, Boyan Velichkovich, but on the southpaw, on the feet, uh, he he did not really like those looks, I don't think, and I think Nakamura um, is surprisingly more effective southpaw than Boyan Velichkovich, which... I think would sound crazy maybe like two years ago or three years ago, but I think Boyan, unfortunately, you know, I think he's kind of, you know, showed the the more level he's at. Whereas Nakamura, he's never been great, but he's shown that he can have his moments and he makes, he can make tough fights for anybody uh, mid to high tier on the right day. So uh, I like Nakamura's craftiness. Also, the cage, it was something that I was thinking of, and then it was probably from past tape study, because sure enough, when I came across the fight, uh, I think Boyan Velichkovich said something about it to the commentators, where he suspected that he's not good off the cage. And a lot of these guys, because that's, the, that, that's a big X factor here when you're thinking about playing a lot of these fighters, is a lot of them are coming from organizations where there's rings, whether they're Asian, Korean, or they're Russian, um, whether they're fighting in straight up rings or that M1 cage ring, which I actually like. It's a, it's like a, it's like a, I can't, remember, I don't know what kind of octagon, kind of weird shape. Ring it is with ring ropes, but then it's got like a cage net, so you can't roll out the bottom. I like that, uh, but it makes for a different dynamic. And those guys don't exactly get good off of the fence. Um, then you go look at like the parts of the world they're training. Most places with rings are more, not necessarily third world countries, but you know they're they're not necessarily the most westernized places or you know with the most resources. So a lot of those gyms, limited cage, if a cage at all. Uh, they're training at a boxing gyms or old rings. So, I mean, it, it, these things go hand-in-hand. Hand. There's a reason why these guys, when they come over to the U.S., they don't do well. It's maybe not so much the U.S. and the travel, although that is some of it. A lot of it's just fighting in the cage. We saw that with the pride transference. It killed some guys' games, like Cro-Cop, right? Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. And that even goes for the grapplers and wrestlers, not just a striker, but even a wrestler, uh, like the man in hand. Uh... Uh, Sultan Ali, the abominable, snowman, with, fuck, he looks like the abominable snowman. He looks like the abominable snowman. looks like a Yeti. They just fucking shaved and you just, oh my god, there's a crooked nose under this Yeti. voice uh, <laughs> Sultan. Sorry, Sultan. I had to take the shot there. But you see that too. Um, he had some issues with that. And even in his last fight, it wasn't solved because against Worley, I mean, he had Worley Alves out underhooking him and turning him multiple times throughout the fight. Um, that's not good. Uh, and against a guy like Nakamura. Nakamura is actually really deceptive against the cage. We saw that even in the Tom Breeze fight. I mean, even if Nakamura is the dude with his back to the cage, he'll flip and turn you around. Or, uh, if he's in a turtle position, a four point, he'll hit the switch and come around on you. I mean, Boyan Velichkovich was able to hit a fucking switch on Sultan Olive. I'm going to repeat that. Boyan Velichkovich was able to hit a switch on Sultan Olive. Um, so I, I think, uh, I, I think, I think Keith Nakamura, who famously hit one on, uh, on, uh, Lee Li Liang G or, um, that's actually Jet Li's Chinese name, uh, Lee Li Jing Liang, uh, to, to finish him famously in Japan, uh, I, I will, I will take him because even though, uh, Ali's got a hundred percent takedown defense, he still ends up in ground exchanges, whether it's by his own accord or falling into a scramble, throwing a punch out of position, And if he gets deep into a scramble, what point does a wrestler always go to to rebase himself, that four-point position, to get his back taken? I mean, Boyan Velichkovich was able to take his back, but he wasn't able to secure it. But, you know, uh, he missed a hook. And, you know, he did provide a decent ski slope, so it was a tough back take. But if it was Nakamura, I think Nakamura would have gotten that back take. So, again, uh, I'm going to take Nakamura here. I don't know if he necessarily gets it done inside the distance. I think he does. I'm going to pick him. But as far as the bet goes, I don't know about that. So what I did is I just put Nakamura straight. Um, I'm pretty sure he's was at Dog Money before. I didn't get him at that. I just got him at the minus 105 as advertised here that he's been pretty steady for the past couple of days just through a unit there. All right, next fight. Uh, Alexander Yakovlev, minus 155. Uh, Alex de Silva, comeback, plus 135. Um, yeah, I think... Yakovlev might have been a slightly bigger favorite. I don't know if money came in on Silva. Uh, but I could see him being one of the more tempting dogs on this card easily. Um, and maybe I'm tipping my hand there. But uh, but yeah, I think this is kind of more of a fade on Yakovlev. Um, I was going to take Yakovlev here. Uh except one thing Uh, Well, the one thing that mainly swayed me was not just the time off which is ridiculous but he's going back down to 155 now technically he's 1-0 in the UFC 155 against Gray Maynard but and he's made the weight fine before I guess but he didn't look good he doesn't look good in these Instagram posts he's all emaciated he's 34 now he shouldn't be doing that much less coming off of three years I mean that's ridiculous, and he's going against a guy who looks like he can hit. Man, this kid looks like athletic. He looks like a little Brazilian Kevin Lee who outgrew one forty five because he's five freaking ten, and going up to one fifty five. So uh, you could look at it as oh wow, oh Yakovlev was a welterweight, and this guy used to fight at featherweight. I don't see that at all. I see I, that's a that's a, that I think that's a trap perception. I think uh not uh, hey yakovlev might win the fight i'm not saying this means he wins or loses but as far as that talk goes i actually think the, the advantage goes the other way um the hitter the explosive hitter who's shown that even when he his lone loss where he went three rounds that he was still competitive going for it didn't gas out at 145 and that was the fight that told him to go up to 155 and he was still able to be competitive um and then he he's Fought slightly better competition at 155, although not the greatest competition. He fought a lot of no names coming up, but again, he's a young kid. Is actually, I don't hate that. That's actually probably better. Uh, and then he did some traveling to fight, um, fighting at 155 for the last couple fights. I think he's going to fill out that 510 frame. I don't like Yakovlev's 63 frame coming down. I think he's got underrated grappling, despite being uh, out, you know, submitted by Cummins. Uh, that was a crazy transition, and Cummins is, is is very underrated, even though he hasn't shown that as of late. Uh, he's really just kind of fallen off. I've been one of those guys that said Cummins underrated, and that was one of those times where it proved to be right and and, and profitable. I think I, I, I cashed on that, too, um, on Cummins uh, in that fight. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess he survived the beating against Damian Meyer or whatever, but, uh, yeah, he really hasn't had more losses than wins. Is that Paul Daly when really was like, The more impressive one and that was before he even got to the UFC so yeah I don't know I think his his his, uh his moment may have passed here so you don't hear me from the analyst perspective hitting the fade at least for a pick maybe for a play but yeah this one is for both pick and play uh just 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 hey there's not, not I'm not putting much I'm not saying you should even play everything should be on the avoid list okay but there's not much dog I like, so uh, give me one unit at plus 135 for De Silva. Um, spoiler alert, that'll probably cancel off the straight plays, but we will talk more. By the way, uh, oh, Pavlovich-Golm. Uh, I did I lied, even though, you know, Golm-Pavlovich is on the vote- That's what I mixed up. Golm-Pavlovich shouldn't be on. Well, probably should be, actually. But I did sprinkle. I'll be honest. I sprinkled on Pavlovich by decision, plus 331. I just think it's gonna be a slog to that, so that's nothing. You follow me off the cliff. I'm just, just uh, that's that's some degenerate shit I got going on. Oh, and I did Evloev. Uh, I told you you could use them as a parlay piece. Well, since I'm I, since I haven't done a parlay yet, I, I may do it for fun one of the day. But really, uh, you know me, I've trended away from those, and I'm not suggesting one here. But what I did take though was uh, Evloev inside the distance plus 100. While it's there, why not? It was probably higher, but hey, still plus money. On a guy who I think is going to get it inside the distance and wrestling is going to dictate it. Um, yeah. All right. Next fight. Jesus. Getting down there. All right. Marcin Tabora minus 145. Shamil Abdurrahimov plus 125. The Dagestani Randy Couture is back. Shamil Abdurrahimov. Dagestani Randy Couture. That's what he looks like. He's another guy, more of a wushu Sanda guy, and there's takedowns in wushu Sanda, and that's what Shamil has, but don't mistake him for a wrestler. Shamil will maybe like hang out in position. You can give him a pass, and he really won't do shit with it. Like you can go turtle up and you won't even pile the punches, like. Shamil is just so like, f- he's, he's, like he's just like oh. <laughs> like, "Oh, I hope nobody notices I'm faking. Hope nobody notices I'm faking. Like, I just feel like he just doesn't know what he's doing on the ground. Looks like he's training with some wrestlers over in Dagestan. A lot of these Dagestan guys are training together. Um, I keep getting. I, mean, I don't want to quote who's training with who off the top of my head. It's, I've kind of been sprinkling and doing research here and there over the past few days, folks. So it all gets fucking limped, and I apologize. But uh, Abdurahimov, I just it just overall, I I could see him uh, taxing Tabora with takedowns, but I don't see him outstriking striking him, and he's not going to do much of the takedowns, and if he does. I feel like those that's going to go bad for him. It's going to be a matter of time for Tabora reverses him and if Tabora gets on top of him it's it's game over. Like that's the thing like I was tempted to like find a reason maybe to bet Shamil here. I mean, you know, I'm looking for dogs. I'm looking for m- more reliable names when you're looking for a bet, you know, even if it's guys that aren't that great. At least we have the UFC sample size. I mean, you got to get what you could take for fights like this, right? But no, I I don't like what I see, you know, Tabora uh, one thing he has, and he still has it, I don't think it's going to go away, is his ability to grapple. He hasn't been able to show it at the best of times. Um, but that's what he has, you know. Short notice goes the distance with Verdum, five rounds, no shame there. Uh, I was beating Derek Lewis until, you know, he's not. I hate to use that cliche, but that was true. And again, Derek Lewis is a tough guy to beat. Derek Lewis, uh, just talking about a, tri- a tripod to a ski slope, to making a guy fall off the front of you when, you, when you're when you getting up to kind of bait-slash-trap uh, them from taking your back. They go to take your back. They fall off the front. Derek Lewis is the best in the business of that, so really no shame there uh, for Marcin Tabura. But uh, I think if he gets on Durakimoff Durakimoff ain't doing that shit. I mean, we've seen as soon as guys get on top of Durakimoff, it's done. Um, even if he's up on rounds like uh, he might have been in that Lewis fight back in New York, that drudged fight, uh, wherever it was in New York, uh, Upstate. But, yeah, uh, so I actually got Marcin Tabura here. He's training in Poland. Uh, his striking has improved enough. As long as he's, he's a better mover and he throws more volume and he's a better grappler. Um, I think he's going to win here. I actually took a shot at Tabor inside the distance. Plus 250. Yeah, uh, that's my angle on this fight. I think he's going to TKO him on the ground. He's going to mount him, and he's either it's going to be, do I choke or do I punch? And that's how this fight's going to end, I believe. All right, next fight. Michal Oloksejic. I believe... Uh, uh, my buddy Damian Dombrowski is going to be a. Uh, he's going to be proud of me for that one. Oleg uh, Shezhuk, minus 220 versus Gadzimurad, Murad, anti Gulaf 180. And you might know Gadzimurad, Murad, the anti Gulof, as uh, the, uh, one of many guys Joe Rogan's freaked out about his thighs. Uh, the, too bad this guy's not on a pay per view card. We could hear Joe Rogan just fucking pontificate about his thighs. Remember the. Uh, the was a Joaquin Christensen fight, I believe, or whatever, that, the guys he fought. And he was just like, look at this guy's thighs. <laughs> they're like, Antigulov is a wrestler. He's uh, lots of accolades, training an American top team, uh, undefeated, uh, likes submissions. And then Rogan, yeah, but look at his thighs. And then, like, this is funny. And then there's this, like, when he's walking in. And then, sure enough, when they're doing the replay, fucking anti like, okay, look, I forget who the other booth analyst was, but they're doing it correctly. And he's like, yep. And he gets the choke, and you notice he locks in the rear naked grip. And notice how he uses his lower back to arch and finish the position. And Rogue goes, yeah, and yeah, look at his thighs. <laughs> he's just kidding. I swear, when it comes to guys' thighs and leg like, kicks or like muscular black dudes, like that is Rogan city. Rogan just loses. I can just hear his fucking belt bu- buckle just jostling like oh oh, oh, oh. Sorry, sorry, folks. You know, I always gotta throw that in there. Anyways, more at Antigulov. It was a bad look. Not just that he lost, that he gassed out. And you look at his record, and yeah, I mean, who you know, who was he really fight- facing before the UFC? And between that sample size to since then, how many times has he gone in decision? I'm not confident as this fight goes on, so i got to guess that's why Oleg just by taking it on short notice, he's just coming off of a camp, a fight that he didn't take too much damage, although John Vellante was tagging him on his way in. But uh, off the juice, Oleg looks smaller, but more in shape, more fucking ferocious, if anything. Jesus Christ. Uh, he looks like he's going to be one of those just pain in the ass guys who are hard to fight. Uh, you know what he reminds me of? He's like the light heavyweight version of uh, Ryan Shelty, PFL. Like, that was a guy where I was like, I kept picking against him. So, by nature or by face value, it looks like I was underestimating Ryan Shelty. But he was uh, one of the guys when I did my uh, research in the PFL brackets where I was like, this guy looks like he's going to be a pain in the fucking ass to fight dude he's just like a diego sanchez is just a little more competent a little more technically competent refined and more focused which is a dangerous thing just you have a guy that's just super durable with endless gas tank who can grapple who can clench who can punch in the pocket and and just not give a fuck um and that's what i feel like uh olexajic is uh, i don't think his wrestling can compare to anti-gool like I don't blame if someone's taking a shot at Antigulov here, thinking, like, oh, maybe he wrestles and can get that early submission. Like, that could very well happen. Like, Oleg Sejic takes damage early in a lot of his fights, at least if you go watch his earlier pre-UFC footage, too. So, like, that could be something. But, again, is Antigulov really going to want to sell out super strong after, like, gassing himself out, needing a win? you know fighting at home like there's gonna be a lot of pressure on him either way so that's a weird fight for me uh so uh i want to take alexajic there but uh yeah it's not on the avoids list because if you like an angle and see one take it but i'm I'm probably staying away even though it's not on the avoid list. i'm staying away all right uh last fight here uh i think this line switched again i'm really bad at, at i just look at the lines as i'm breaking them down throughout the week i tried to Look too far ahead, although I already peeked at all the lines for next week just for the fuck of it. But uh, we got Rafael Fitziev now is the favorite, minus 120, versus Magomed Mustafayev 100. Magomed Mustafayev is a bad motherfucker. For that reason, I got excited to see a plus line next to his name, especially because I was pretty sure I don't think that was there at the beginning of this week. Uh, that being said, uh, I looked into this Rafael Fitziev guy. is one of the guys I was not familiar with, and I was like, oh, he's a Muay Thai guy. Oh, he's Tiger Muay Thai coach. Oh, he's from Kyrgyzstan. I wonder if he knows that. Oh, the Shevchenkos are in his corner. Oh, Pavel Fadadov's got a gun because he's always got a gun and minus 500 that Pavel Fadadov will be strapped at UFC St. Petersburg. But yeah, yeah, these Kyrgyzstanis who, who do Muay Thai, man, he is a, a hyper-aggressive version of that Muay Thai style that Valentina has too. Like I went back and I, this was awesome. Like I, It was toward the end of the tape study, but then I got like, really re-excited because I got to watch Muay Thai footage and I always really get, get excited when I get to watch Muay Thai footage when uh, I like to kind of incorporate it with work and um i liked it man like this guy is at the defense where he gets out of the way of the kicks can read kicks really well like the Shevchenkos. uh he he doesn't spin as much although he can he really is more of a straightforward kind of a guy uh crazy left hook nice left hooks to the body good leg kicks uppercuts overhand rights uh and uh He's really like the Shevchenkos in the sense that, like, when Valentina was in Muay Thai, she would almost like celebrate her grappling edge and like judo, and she would like get to the back of people and hip toss them. And whether she was, uh, she was mainly ahead, uh, so it was kind of like to punctuate her victory. And he'll do that too, but this guy, actually watched one of the fights they lost in Muay Thai, and I, it was actually a good watch because he's down on rounds, but he gets better as the fight gets on, and he doesn't get discouraged at all. And even though this guy that's picking him apart this English cat who's like super long and he's just got devastating kicks, um, he's just rushing him, beating up on the inside in the clinch, punching him to the body, overhand rights. And uh, he's not getting discouraged like at all. It was just, it was really impressive. But then he starts getting to the clinch and he just starts getting pissed off. And uh, he just starts tossing the guy on his head, just trying to hurt him. And you can look at this—maybe he was getting frustrated or whatever. But nah, man. Especially if you're especially looking at like guys, you you might be wanting to play. Like you're like, okay, like I want a guy like that. He's just fucking game. This guy's just a little fucking honey badger, and he is. He's and that's how you gotta be. If you're a 5'8", 155-er, you're gonna have to be like the uh, the warthog, as Jim Miller puts it. Which, by the way, ah. That fight next week could be possibly depressing. I'm not excited to look look into that fight. Hopefully, he can hold back the Southpaw young guy, Jason Gonzalez. But, yeah, I mean, when you're a short-style guy, you kind of have to fight that style a little bit. But what I like is he also has defensive capabilities as well. So I really like that. He's really going to need that against a a swinging, a heavy-hitting guy like Magomed Mustafayev, who, again, more of a loopy guy, uh, that Wushu Sanda, uh, so again, counters, kicks, loops really well, but I just think he's just much more refined loops than the muay thai, especially this breed of muay thai that uh, that uh, appears to be, and he doesn't appear to be that much slouch on the ground either. He's got he's got uh, submission victories. He's been fighting MMA though on and off and mixing muay thai, but for the last at least three years. Uh, f- between Phuket top team to now Tiger Muay Thai, uh, obviously a lot of Russians, a lot of wrestlers, grappling programs, jiu-jitsu itself. So obviously, I'm, I'm sure he's training it. and I'm sure he's not a complete fish out of water. And again, Muay Thai, probably one of the better things to go uh, from there. Um, I'm avoiding this fight, though. I got a lot of respect for most of the five, and the line, in my opinion... It hasn't gotten too tempting on either side, uh, even though I'm on the side of where the, the money's at right now. Uh, I'm with the uh, now favorite, uh, Fitzeev. But, yeah, no play for me. Um, good luck for you. All right, I'm going to recap the picks and plays here from top to bottom, folks. One hour, look at that, just about, just over. All right, I'm taking Alistair Overeem over Alexei Olenek. I'm taking Islam Makhachev over Armin can. I'm taking Sergei Pavlovich over Marcelo Gohm. I'm taking Ivan Shichikov over Devin Clark. I'm taking Antonina Shevchenko over Roxanne Modafferi. I'm taking Christoph Yotko over Alan Amadovsky. I'm taking... Mavzar Evloyev over Sangwoo Choi I'm taking Keita Nakamura over Sultan Aliyev I'm taking Alex de Silva over Alexander Yakovlev. I'm taking Marcin Tibura over Shamil Abdurakhimov I'm taking Mikhail Olegsechuk over Gudzi Murad Amdigulov. I'm taking Raphael Fitziev over Magomed Mustafaev uh, parlay pieces, uh, Shevchenko and Ivayev look nice, if you're looking that, or for prop parlay pieces, I say fight don't go the distance for either, uh, Olexey, uh, and Gadzi, or the main event between Sergey and, uh, or not main event, I mean, a main event between Alistair, I should say, and, uh, Alexey, Olenek. Uh, props, all of them inside the distance, plus 100, it's through half unit on that. Pavlovich inside the distance, plus 331. Tabor inside the distance, plus 250. Straight plays Nakamura, minus 105, one unit. Uh, da Silva, last straight play at Dog Money, plus 135, one unit. Avoid Makachev, Tsaryukin although there is a fun flyer on Tsaryukin by KEL, plus 1200. Mustafaya, Fadziev, Ademovsky, Jotko, uh, Gom Pavlovich. although I did play a prop on Pavlovich, so it probably should be, uh, you know, um, some other fight. Oh well. Uh yeah, alright. That that that's about it for that. Uh ooh, uh I wrote Game of Thrones on here, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I uh it was a setup episode kinda like the beginning of season one on episode seven. I don't hate that. But you know what I love? And uh, this would be funny, especially to certain listeners. Uh, yeah, you all know my buddy Brian, who's on this podcast a lot. He's a diehard Game of Thrones fan. And it's kind of like In-N-Out Burger. Like, when, when, when something is so lovable that, like, it becomes almost infallible. Like, hipster contrarian Dan, like, loves to piss people off and, like, say shit. Uh, Like, stuff that's based off real criticism, but, like, I'll just say it to piss it off, and, like, I've been trolling, like, my friends who love Game of Thrones, like, going, oh, that fucking new episode sucked, and, uh, I just had to get back and forth with my buddy Brian, but he's, like, he's, like, a nut, he knows, like, all about it and shit, so he was actually schooling me on it, but, uh a buddy that works with them who may or may not listen to that podcast and may get a kick out of that. Out of that. But, yeah, that's my, my favorite thing to do because it's funny cause people are so... I love Game of Thrones. I'm going to be wrong, folks. It's one of the few uh, TV things that I watch, but people are so into it where it's like, Infallible, like, how dare you not say anything? Like, they've laid some stinkers, some of the writing's laid some stinkers. Like, you're bound to, like, especially when they're getting ahead of the actual writer and you're in that weird purgatory period. And let's be honest, this fucking lacks the daisical. All good series you can low go back and pick apart. Well, this season was a bit slow and and some bullshit. And uh, no, the first episode was, was good, there was some stuff there, it's just. Some of it was just super obvious and super cheesy with the flying of the dragons. It was just Oh, Jesus. It was just, I don't know. I hate... I hate... I can't enjoy stuff, people. As much as I talk shit and enjoy trolling, I'll be the first to admit I'm the fucking worst. Like, I cannot enjoy shit because I just I just look at it too much. That being said, I think the rest of the season is going to be awesome. Um, hit me up with your Game of Thrones talk. Uh, if you want to be that person, I'm actually caught up in, in one of the few things, so... I enough to avoid the, the fucking spoiler talk from everybody and don't worry I'm not going to give crazy spoilers there I didn't really give too much away uh, from what I said but I did want to did, did mark that down so you see me trolling uh, some game of Thrones. don't take me too seriously and feel free to shoot the shit feel free to shoot the shit here uh, at Damn Tom MMA at the PYM podcast any questions uh, for our submissions and transitions it is a segment that I want to do and bring back when there are questions I will answer it technical about the card about anything really uh, even not MMA to keep it fun. Fuck, ask for something personal. Let's fucking spice this up a little bit. Just something fun, nothing crazy. We won't get a lot of these anyways. But just an episode here, or there. You know, uh, it'll be sprinkled in at the end. Submissions and transitions. Otherwise, cooked through the normal places. I'm not going to advertise it because I don't deserve it. Until we are fully up on SoundCloud and on YouTube, the accounts are created, people. It is in the works. Bear with me. Until then, enjoy the fights, uh, you savages watching across the, the seas. And always, yes always, protect your